Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know generating income from our expertise is pretty easy. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me here every week to make sure you are building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. Before we get started though, one little disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer. The information I share on the podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or legal opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now, here we go. Hello, ladies. Welcome to this week's episode of the Hourly to Exit podcast. This week is part two of a three-part series about copyright infringement basics. This week, we're going to talk about how to avoid accidentally infringing someone else's copyright, including their podcast. In part one, which I encourage you to listen to if you have not already, we talked about the consequences and penalties that can be levied against an infringer. And they include money damages as well as criminal charges in the case of intentional infringement or repeated patterns of infringement. Of course, no one who's listening to this podcast wants to do that, not just because you don't want to get caught, but because we have an ethical duty to respect each other's property. And intellectual property is property. When we think about IP as inventory, which when you are an expert, intellectual property is your inventory. There is no other business that we would think that we can get our inventory for free or that we can borrow somebody else's inventory and profit from it without their permission. That would never happen in any other business. And the same rules apply when we are experts and our inventory is intellectual property, whether it's that we create ourselves or that somebody else creates and that we bring into our business to help create additional inventory. I do have an episode about IP is inventory throughout my episodes. If I refer to something that I wrote about or a previous episode, you can always go to my website, thinkbeyondip.com and search for it. Usually in the blog, under the blog, there is a search function. Now, for those of you who know this stuff better than me, I have been looking for a much better search tool because I have so much content on my website, including the podcast that I host and been a guest on and all the stuff I write, a lot of free resources. I'd love to have a really good comprehensive search tool. So if you have any leads, please send them to me. Thanks. Anyway, back to copyright infringement basics. So IP is inventory. We don't get to use other people's inventory for free or without their permission. And it happens too much when it comes to intellectual property and our expertise because we can't put it in our hand, you know, like bolts or planks and things like that, that we know we have to buy in order to get the wood to create a building or to get the screws to make a car because we can access people's intellectual property. We can access their expertise over the internet and we can get it for free. You're listening to this for free. Even though it is my intellectual property, you can get it for free. But 
even though everyone else may say, oh, everyone's getting their intellectual property for free off the internet, but we aren't. Because here at Hourly to Exit, we believe in building businesses that poor put more wealth in the hands of women, and we are not stealing from each other. So let's start with the assumption that we all want to do the right thing, that we want to be fair. Let's call it the golden rule of copyright that to do unto others as we would have them do unto you. So that means it is our duty to educate ourselves so that we don't infringe copyrights due to our ignorance. Now, I'm going to make the assumption that you would never intentionally infringe someone else's copyright and that if it happens, it's because you don't know any better. So that is what this episode is about, is making sure that we don't accidentally infringe someone's copyright because we don't know any better. And by the way, ignorance is not a defense with respect to copyright infringement. So there will be five steps to avoid accidentally infringing someone else's copyright. First, educate yourself about what copyright is. Number two is doing your research before you use it. Number three is seeking permission before you use it. Four is take advantage of resources that are in the public domain or can be easily licensed. And then five is keeping records to make sure you know the limits of the permissions that you do have. All right, from the top, educate yourself about the copyright basics. You need to understand what copyright is and what it protects. This will be a bit of an overview. You know, I talk about copyrights a lot, but in the interest of completeness, we'll also just have a brief overview of the copyright basics. So what does copyright protect? Copyright law protects original works of authorship fixed in a tangible medium of expression. So that would include literary works, both fiction and nonfiction, music, art, videos, television, choreography, photographs, sculpture, anything that is original and that has been put in a tangible medium of expression. Tangible does mean digital, by the way. So something that's on the internet, even if you can't pick it up and put it in your hand, it's been fixed in a medium of expression, meaning other people can perceive it without you being there. So if I say this exact thing that I'm going to talk about in this episode today, but I say it on the front steps of a courthouse, on my box, on my soapbox, and I don't fix it in any kind of tangible expression, speak it without recording it in any way. It's not, hasn't been fixed and therefore it's not protected by copyright law. So exclusive rights that you get when you have a copyright, copyrights are basically a bundle. You'll hear it in the singular and in the plural. And it's the copyrights are a bundle of rights that the owner has exclusively over the use of their work. And those include the right to copy the work, the right to distribute the works to the public, the right to prepare derivative works based on that, such as translation or an abridgment or turning it into a course or creating a video out of it to publicly perform their work. And so that would be if I have this script and then I go stand on my soapbox, I put it in fixed form before I started speaking and now I publicly perform it. That would be one of the rights that I have exclusively as a copyright owner of this script including live performances and streaming over the internet, 
to publicly display their work, including display of artwork in public places and on websites. So even if I own a piece of artwork, I go to an art fair this weekend, I buy the physical piece of artwork, I bring it home, I own that physical piece of artwork, but I can't put it online or show it off in a museum because the copyright in that piece of artwork stayed with that artist. I only own that physical canvas with the paint on it, but I don't own the copyright. The ability to make copies, distribute copies, to create derivatives, that still stays with the copyright owner. So copyright notice is not required. Copyright notice is that C in a circle that should be accompanied by the year that it was published and the name of the author. That is your standard copyright notice. It's not been required since I think 1976, if I'm correct. So assuming that you're looking at a work that is modern, the second within the last 50 years, published within the last 50 years, the copyright notice is not required. Copyright protections at the moment of creation. And so what that means is that there is a massive amount of original expression that's posted online every day that is protected by copyright. Even if there's no copyright notice on it, even if the curator had no thoughts about copyright protection when she created it and posted it. But under law, copyright protection attaches automatically. And just to clarify that not every use of a copyrighted work without the owner's permission would infringe the copyright. So it has to infringe on one of those exclusive rights, making copies, distributing it, making derivatives, publicly performing, publicly displaying it. So if you're not doing any of those things with somebody's copyrighted work, then you're not infringing their copyright. So for instance, if you're in your car singing a song, that is a copyrighted work and you are performing it, but you aren't publicly performing it. So that would not be a copyright infringement. There are some shades of gray in there, of course. When I was originally thinking about that example, I was thinking, let's say you just did it at the barbecue. You have a little talent show at the barbecue. There's that fine line between, is that public? And even if it is public, who's ever going to find out? And so I'll always be very practical in the way I talk about copyrights and contracts. But I do want you to understand what the strict letter of the law says. Finally, we have the concept of fair use. That is the circumstance where you can have limited use of somebody else's copyrighted material without their permission and without it being an infringement. And that the purposes include criticism or commentary, news reporting, education, scholarship and research. Since, you know, the audience here, we're in the business of profiting from our expertise. When we're using other people's intellectual property, we're typically using it in the course of selling our services or selling a product that we created with our expertise. We would not fall, generally would not fall in the area of fair use unless the amount we were using was de minimis. Yes, fair use exists, but it is a defense. It is not a right. It is a defense to using somebody else's copyrighted material without their permission. So the only way to arrive at a fair use determination is through a court of law saying, oh, yeah, you're right, you used it, but we decided it wasn't so much that it infringed their rights. And so that is fairly risky. I discourage people from relying on fair use other than instances of truly de minimis use. 
And if you have questions about that, of course, I've written about it, (laughs) or you can always talk to me. Number two, research before use. Before using any content, whether it's text or images or music or video, research its copyright status. Again, just because it's online, just because you can access it for free, doesn't mean that you can use it. Use that bundle of rights of copying, making derivatives, publicly displaying. Doesn't mean you can do those things just because it's on the internet. And once again, the lack of a copyright notice does not mean that something isn't protected by copyright. So when you're doing your research, use reputable sources. In the U.S., you can search the U.S. Copyright Office and just Google that. They have an online catalog where you can check the copyright status of a particular work. You can search it by title, certainly if it's the name of a book or research paper, by the author or by a distributor or a website owner. I consider distributor publisher. Website owners are considered publishers. And just note that the person who wrote it may not be the same person who owns it. So for instance, if somebody created something in the course of their employment, their employer would own it, not the person who wrote it. You might need to do a little bit of research to actually find out who the owner of the copyrights are versus who the writer of it was or who the creator of it was. You can also sometimes find licensing and use information right there with the content. If you find it on a website or some sort of online platform, almost every website and platform these days has a terms of use or usage, rights usage section that will describe how their content can be used. Some websites, certainly those that host creative content, will have copyright notices, like some that are aggregators, specialty websites that are lots of articles about healthcare issues, lots of articles about content marketing or something. And there'll be different authors and they might have the copyright notices right there with each piece of content. And then some may also use Creative Commons licenses. And we will talk about that in a minute. And then you can also use reverse image or content search. So let's say it's an image, you're wondering who owns it. Google has a reverse image function, websites like 10i as well that you can search and they may be able to find the original source of the image. For text-based content, you can copy the text and put it in Google and it may be able to find the exact match for that content as well and therefore information about its copyright status. Number three, seek permission, which is also called a license. Permission to use intellectual property is a license. So if the content is copyrighted and you want to use it, reach out to the copyright holder for permission to get a license. So any license that you get should be in writing and it should clearly define how you can use the material. It will say what the scope of use is, the duration of the use for how long the license lasts, any compensation, paying a license fee, whether it's per use or per year or per sale and any attribution required. And then while verbal permission is valid, you can absolutely get a verbal oral license to use intellectual property. Now, the issue with that is what if there's a misunderstanding? and therefore an unintentional breach. When you have something in writing, everybody's on the same page. We clearly understand what the parameters of our license are. 
And therefore, we do not unintentionally infringe that copyright. So if you cannot determine the copyright status, or if you have determined that it is copyrighted, but you can't figure out how to get permission, don't use it. That's the safest thing is to not use the content because there are so many platforms and websites where you can find content that is either free to use or it's really simple to clear and get a license for it. So that would be the fourth level, using copyright-free or licensed resources. We're here, we'll talk about public domain works and creative common works. So first, public domain. So materials are in the public domain. They aren't protected by copyright. And so they can be freely used by anyone. When we say something is in the public domain, we mean that it is free for others to use without obtaining permission from the owner. And in other words, it is no longer protected by copyright. Some creators will explicitly release their work to the public domain. And so let's talk about ways to identify public domain materials. First, all items produced by the federal government are in the public domain. Note, this is only the federal government that does not apply to state or local governments. Also, in the U.S., all materials published before 1928 are in the public domain as of the year I'm recording this, 2023. And each January 1, everything released 95 years earlier enter the public domain. So every year on January 1st, a new crop of materials enters the public domain. I'm sure you've heard a lot about Disney materials that have entered the public domain because Disney goes back to the 1920s sometimes. However, Disney does have trademarks on their characters, so it doesn't mean you can use them, but the copyrighted materials do enter the public domain. If you want to use a copy of an entire book, you want to just take the whole thing, it was published in 1921, you can just take it. It is in public domain, you can use it. Now, that doesn't mean you can say it's yours and put your name on it and put your copyright notice on there saying it's yours and register it for copyright. You can't. It's still owned by the original copyright owner. It just means that you don't need their permission to use it that way. And one easy way to find out if something is in the public domain, especially for books, is to check. There's a database called HathiTrust. That's H-A-T-H-I-T-R-U-S-T, HathiTrust. And it is a nonprofit that researches the copyright status of a lot of works. And they use an expert to find out whether or not it is in the public domain, either in the U.S. and around the world. And if the entire item is publicly accessible on their database, then it is free to download and print and use it is in the public domain. So that's just one. I imagine there are others. I just came across this while researching this topic of sources for public domain materials. There are definitely others. I know there is an audiobook site that I can't remember the name of Libra something like free library that has free recordings of books in the public domain. And during the period that a copyright notice was required, and I believe that would be those things published before 1976, no copyright notice, then those did fall into the public domain. But in any case, we do want to make sure we're doing our research before we assume anything is in the public domain. Next, Creative Commons. 
So some authors will choose to license their work under Creative Commons licenses. These provide a standardized way for creators to grant the public permission to share and use their work on the conditions that they choose. And so you will see these are letters that usually they have a little bit of graphic that goes with it. I have written about this as well. And you can see some examples of what Creative Commons licenses look like among my blog posts. Uh, there are six main types of Creative Commons licenses. And basically, when it says that they're standardized, something is copyrighted, you want to use it. If it's not under a Creative Commons license, you got to go find the copyright owner and ask for a license, negotiate the license. Hopefully, you're getting it in writing and having it signed. When it's something that's a Creative Commons license, then you can just rely on that Creative Commons license that is literally attached right there on the work. And you don't have to do anything more other than comply with the conditions that go with the specific Creative Commons license that is part of that work. So the six main types, there is the Creative Commons license by attribution. So this allows you to do all the things, to distribute it, to adapt it, to create new works, even to use it commercially. But the condition is that you provide appropriate credit and a link to the license, and then to indicate if any changes were made and which you can do in a reasonable manner, but you cannot suggest that the licensor endorses you or what you've done. So that's Creative Commons license by attribution. Now there's Creative Commons license by attribution, share alike. So similar to attribution, you can distribute it, adapt it, build upon it, use commercially provided that you give an appropriate credit and you must license any new creations based upon the work under the same terms. So if you do build upon their work, let's say you use it and you use it in your course, then you can only distribute your course using a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license. So that would be the limitation there. Creative common license by attribution, no derivatives. So you can use the work for any purpose, including commercially. However, you cannot share adapted material. You can't create derivatives from it. So here you need to give appropriate credit and you cannot modify the work in any way. Creative Commons license by attribution, non-commercial. You can distribute, adapt, build upon it. You must give appropriate credit, but you cannot use it for commercial purposes. And that would include marketing if you're using your marketing for selling a for-profit item. So you could use it for just purely educational purposes, but not for commercial purposes. Creative Commons license, non-commercial share alike. And so you can distribute, adapt, build upon it. You have to give credit, can't use it for commercial purposes, and you have to license your new creation based on the same terms. And then you have Creative Commons license by attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives. You can't create derivatives, but you can download it and share it as long as you credit the original creator and you can't use it commercially in any way. And then there's a thing called Creative Commons Zero. So in that case, the creator has waived all of their copyright and related rights in the work. They're just throwing it out into the universe to use it as you will. It's in the public domain. You can use it by anyone for any purpose without conditions. All right. 
In addition to public domain and Creative Commons, there are a number of platforms like Shutterstock, Getty Images, where you can get content that they have very simple to license. They have a whole menu of ways that you can license something. You can license it on a royalty-free basis, meaning you pay a one-time fee and then you don't pay anything else based on the use. And there are a number of ways that you can license images that way. I do know that there are periodicals that are similar where they have articles that you can license. They have a whole licensing process. So it's not something you have to kind of negotiate on a one-on-one basis. They have a process for licensing and using their articles. And so that makes it very simple as well. Make sure that you're going to reliable sources though. So if you're on a website that says it's free and that there's no licensing terms on there, and by the way, that would include generative AI, a lot of times, then you need to be really careful because you really don't know whether or not you're getting the rights to use the material in the way that you intend to. And make sure you always understand the limits of a license. Again, those licenses will have a duration. They may have the commercial versus non-commercial use. They may have geographic restrictions. So make sure you understand that so you don't infringe the license. Well, I should put it this way. When you are using that licensed material in a way that is not authorized in the license, that is a copyright infringement. So we need to stay within the bounds of the license in order to not be an infringer. And of course, give appropriate credit when required. All right. So the last strategy, keep records and stay up to date. It's important to maintain a record of all the permissions, licenses, correspondence, because you may not have something signed. You may have just done something by email about the content you use. Anytime you are incorporating materials in the work that you're delivering to your clients or that you're creating one to several or one to many products or services from, and it's not something that you created, it's not your original work. You want to make sure you are maintaining a record of all those permissions, licenses, correspondence, so that you understand the parameters of your permission. You need to keep track of expiration dates or any other conditions to make sure you stay in compliance with those licenses. Establish a system for archiving them and making sure that you have evidence in the event that there is, you know, someone says, hey, I see that you're doing this. Where did you get the license to this? Make sure you have evidence of that so you can defend yourself as well. Keep records. And then periodically get a refresher regarding copyright law. No one's trying to make you a lawyer, but you do need to kind of have an overall awareness of copyright laws, just the same way that you have an overall awareness about financial statements and things like that. We just need to be mindful so that we don't accidentally trip up And this will be especially important as the law continues to evolve and the boundaries tested with respect to generative AI. And then if you aren't in the U.S., be aware of regional differences. I only ever talk about U.S. laws and there are different laws in different parts of the world. And so if you're not in the U.S., make sure you are aware of those differences. Last but not least, when in doubt, seek legal counsel. Anytime you're unsure about the copyright status of a particular work or whether or not you can use it, how to use it properly, a license that you receive, maybe you don't even understand the license if it was 
some sort of online license and you're not completely sure, consult with a copyright attorney, including yours truly. So if you follow these steps, maintain a proactive attitude toward copyrights, you can minimize the risk of unintentional infringement and avoid any potential legal or ethical complications or reputational complications. So that's it for this week. Join me again next week where I will talk about how to protect your material from being the victim of copyright infringement. As always, find me at Aaron at Think Beyond IP with any of your questions. And if there's any time that there's something you have questions about something that I've covered, do not hesitate to let me know. I'm always happy to follow up. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check out the show notes for links to connect with today's guest and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourlytoexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe. And I'd be so grateful for a review. I'm here to support your journey.